Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? I'm doing fine. Good, good. The, um, the books don't look good in Washington. <laughs> They're overspending. And, you know, and I gave them my two cents worth, and that's what they thought it was worth. <laughs> you know, they, they didn't listen to my two cents worth. But they deal in much bigger numbers. They, that's they right. Need. But anyway, um, you know, uh, the, the gimmick of uh, student loans, that was... Probably a pretty good gimmick, uh, yeah. you know, uh, for getting votes and all the students bought into it. Naively, they buy into it and go, oh, this is almost like free stuff. Yeah. It probably someone said, they'll never, they'll yeah. never actually <laughs> collect it. That's exa exactly what happened. Uh, they're, they're not collecting it. But uh, people describe it correctly that they don't like it because it's unfair. Uh, of course, they, they're talking about, you know, the bailout, but nobody complained a whole lot when they were introducing the program. Nobody remembers that precise moment that the student loan was set up. That's way back because everybody liked that. The parents liked it. The students can borrow money and all this. But now, uh, you know, they're complaining because uh, it looks like they're going to have to pay. The bill has come due. And some people think you can get away with it. But no, the money is... The money is churned out there and it's created, and it's astounding how much it's. Uh, they've already, uh, you know, I think it's 1.7 trillion dollars that they've written off on this. But now they're going into millions more, even another trillion here, and uh, they they don't even know how to work out. I mean, uh, uh, but the people who are most unhappy, and so it isn't they're unhappy they violated the Constitution and somebody got some benefits but it is unfair on the surface the people the people who feel uh, m most abused are the ones who did take the loan and they did have a sense of responsibility and they've been paying and working hard and paid the thing off and now they're going to have to suffer from the burden of the debt on the people that didn't do it so but that's that's not an exception to the rule. That's the way it always works. It's just that it's become apparent this time. And uh, you can see the people who have suffered. And I've all, always argued o over the years about, uh, you know, any type of help uh, to school. Uh, why, why should somebody who didn't get to go to college? And, and I mentioned this when I was in medical school. I, I thought, well, why? Because our, they said, do you know that your cost is really not, you're not paying for your whole cost of your medical education. Uh, that's just a, a, a token, but you have to have to pay some of it. But who, who pays for it? People who don't become doctors yeah. and they don't have a degree. And, uh, and then there's the others who borrowed the money. And uh, they, uh, it, it was a program set up where you know, they talk about the government debt. But they're, they don't, they're not talking a whole lot about uh, the bank benefits because uh, the, the banks were the ones that operated. They got the cash, and, and they'll be the ones that get bailed out. You know, uh, they, they, they claim there was none, no bailouts, but that was uh, probably really protection for the banks because the individual wasn't allowed to declare bankruptcy. But the government can declare bankruptcy, and, uh, of course, there's a... Uh, uh, to, for me, it's simple. We shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. Uh, Jonathan Turley, you know, has a good article yeah. trying to explain 
how and why this is a bad idea. We can actually put that up. He was actually on Fox News to, uh, uh, talking about it earlier, and he makes the point that uh, Democrats are praising Biden for circumventing Congress. And this is this massive student loan, quote unquote, forgiveness uh, that the Biden is doing. And this is, I thought, maybe I was not reading the Constitution right, Dr. Paul, but I thought that Congress is the one that appropriates money. Well, I guess there's some loophole that he found. It has to do with COVID uh, that enables him to grab the money to pay for it. Now, there was a study done by the Wharton School, pretty well-respected school at Penn. Let's take a look at that. It's, it was uh, completed just a couple days ago. August 23rd, forgiving student loans, budgetary costs, and distributional impact. And here is the <clears throat> essential part of it, if we can go to that next one. Here's the summary. We estimate that forgiving federal college student loan debt will cost between $300 billion and $980 billion over the 10-year budget window, depending on details. About 70% of debt relief accrues to borrowers in the top 60% of income distribution. Translated into English, a massive, massive uh, increase in inflation because of this another trillion dollars being spent. And the benefit to that will go disproportionately to those that have a higher income, i.e. it's welfare for the rich. Yes, and the tragedy is, is not too many people are going to learn any lessons from this. Uh, you know, it was interesting to see that uh, the financial advisor to Obama, it must have been, it must be extreme because he said, hey, what are we doing here? And at least, at least he suggests that uh, this is overkill and shouldn't be done, although he probably was there when they were, they were selling these, uh, uh, these uh, uh, loans to the students. Yeah, well, if, uh, and here's interesting, we, I saw this on Zero Hedge and you saw it as well, you mentioned as you were walking into the studio, but President Obama's head of his own economic advisors and he was president, even he thinks this is a crazy idea. Let's put up this tweet that he had on the issue, this next one, this next clip. Jason Furman was the head of the Council of Economic Advisors for President Obama, pouring roughly half a trillion dollars of gasoline on the inflationary fire that is already burning is reckless. Doing it while going well beyond one campaign promise, 10,000 of student loan relief, and breaking another, all proposals paid for, is even worse. That's gotta hurt, Dr. Paul, coming from someone squarely in the Dem camp, uh, it's gotta hurt pretty bad. So, uh, you know, the, uh, there's a, there was a joke going around a while ago I think encapsulates it well, and I should have put the clip up, but I'll just read it. It's a kind of a meme that shows a plumber with a smile on his face, and it says, hardworking plumber looking forward to paying for his neighbor's gender studies degree. <laughs> right. And that's basically what this is all about. You know, people like this Furman, uh, they're interesting to think about because it's easy for us to understand Austrian economics and the Constitution because you don't do this kind of thing. You know, uh, there were no programs when I went to school, and, uh, and but it wasn't that expensive. You know, I could have a part-time job and earn enough to pay the tuition. But with, then when the government gets involved with the inflation and all the prices go up, then you have to have more government. But our position is very simple. But then the, the, uh, the position of so many, not Furman. Furman is somewhere floating back and forth. Uh -huh. The others say, 
Deficits don't matter. Yeah. Don't sweat it. You know, uh, if the Congress won't pass it, I'll sign an executive order. Yeah. And that's and, and all that, that, and I was just thinking, just think of how many executive orders were issued over uh, uh, over coronavirus. Yeah. They didn't go to the Congress for this. But here's here's a person that sort of is in the middle of this uh, because we didn't, I don't think he has a, I, I don't want to make this a personal law at all, but when it was happening, if he was in the Obama administration, they weren't tr- trying to explain why this is risky business. Yeah. You know, this could go to spending too much and contribute to the deficit. But uh, I guess there's I guess there's a benefit to people like this because if they're over and they're Marxist uh, and you point out this is chaotic, oh, good. Yeah. And yeah. this guy obviously probably is not a, a Marxist. I mean, he's starting to talk like common sense. And uh, I, I, I think it fascinates me on how they come to this because it's so easy to understand uh, a dedicated Marxist and it's so easy for me to understand somebody dedicated to freedom yeah and uh, and those are goals but the Furmans of the world are out there and that allows things to get started that's why I think this we have to be cautious is they're credible and they say well, this is just a little loan for the people who really need it. Yeah. This is just a little income tax for the people who have a lot of money. And it, I, I think people don't see this, but it's 100% of the principle of yeah. the thing that the government can do this. And that principle led to this tragedy right now. Uh, I, I, we, of course, welcome a statement like this. Maybe it'll wake up a few other people, and he's moving in the right direction. So that is okay with me. It always reminds me of the saying that you that you always say, uh, if you subsidize something, you'll get more of it. <laughs> yeah. And I think we can look at the fact that we've subsidized student loans. You know, we talked about this last week, I think it was, that there is a, in the Inflation Reduction Act, there's a $7,500 subsidy for people who buy electric trucks. And then the news came out a day later that the price of trucks came, went up 8500 bucks. <laughs> so you're going to see this subsidize the cost of it, cost of an education. Well, the university is just going to raise its fees by that much more because it's essentially viewed as free money. And that's why you have all of these uh, people in higher education, not the professors, but the administrators making two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000. But I had something, I, sh- I didn't make a clip of it, but I saw it after I sent the clips in. But a great editorial from the Wall Street Journal, I'm going to read a little part of it because I think it really, it really does a great job. He says, worse than the cost is the moral hazard and awful precedent this sets. Those who will pay for this write-off are the tens of millions of Americans who didn't go to college or repaid their debt or skimped and saved to pay for college or chose lower cost schools to avoid a debt trap. This is a college graduate bailout paid for by plumbers and FedEx drivers. He also said colleges will capitalize by raising tuition to capture the write-off windfall. A White House fact sheet hilariously says that colleges, quote, will have an obligation to keep prices reasonable and ensure borrowers get value for their investment, not debt they cannot afford, end quote. And the Wall Street Journal concludes, only a fool could believe colleges will do this. That's pretty good for the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, pretty good (laughs) stuff. Right. So, 
And anyway, we have another subject, unless you have another another point to make. No, I think we'll keep watching this. It's in the news. Everyone's talking about it yeah. today, and it's going to be... So, you're not going to see a lot of Republicans, because they also want to be Santa Claus, right? Yeah, of course, uh, and we've done some programs, and I've done some with uh, Chris on this, trying to call attention to this, uh, but... Uh, I, I guess this announcement by the, by the president and the numbers coming out finally got the attention of even uh, uh, professors at Harvard University yeah. to come yeah. out and say, hey, hey, maybe this is an important subject. So it's all part of the uh, announcement that this country is bankrupt. That's part of the financial bankruptcy. But we still have the uh, moral bankruptcy, that which is probably a, a bigger challenge than the financial bankruptcy. Yeah. And yet they're the same because money is a moral issue, too. It's the immorality of the fraud and the counterfeiting of money. So it's all about the same. But uh, I have something We've been here. looking at Syria, actually. We can put on that next clip uh, because we've been watching it. Yesterday we were wondering if we should talk about it. We said, let's wait a little bit and see what happens. Well, it's heating up more. Three U.S. service members suffer minor injuries in Syria rocket attacks. What happened is a few days ago, uh, the U.S. bombed some uh, militias in Syria that the U.S. claims are, quote, Iran-backed. And there was a retaliation uh, by some of those militias against some U.S. troops who are occupying Syria illegally, of course. Not that we wish harm on any service member, but <coughs> their commanders who send them there, it's a different story. But... So now we're looking at tit for tat and the U.S. Will retaliate, will, will retaliate again. While everyone is focusing on Ukraine and things at home, the situation in Syria is heating up. And it's just a reminder for people who have probably forgotten that the U.S. military is still occupying a good chunk of Syria, a country that never attacked us, never threatened us, couldn't threaten or attack us even if it wanted to. We just decided that we're going to go ahead and grab some of that country and stick around. I wonder why they wanted the eastern part. I, I think that's where the oil That's where the oil might, is. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that this is happening, too, because, uh, uh, you know, some people say, well, this is good because they're all trained. Uh, it's, it's the Iranians that we have to deal with because, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're very much involved in Syria, too. At the same time, Syria, I mean, uh, Iran is denying all this. Yeah. And uh, you wonder, and, and there may be a reason for that because uh, they, they might be more cautious right now and not looking for a, a total elimination once again of the negotiations going on with the, with the treaties and yeah. opening up where they can sell oil again. So uh, I, uh, I, I think that's a possibility, but we have to have <clears throat> an excuse for going in there and bombing. But uh, I was looking at all the pro reports today and uh, I, I didn't see one report of the mention of oil. Yeah, you know, yeah, and uh, that's it a lot of oil. And we we just have declared that we own it. It's ours. And, and that wasn't Biden that that happened under. Yeah, know? that was yeah. Well, one of the things that was bombed uh, by this group was the Conoco oil fields, uh, which are working there. But you know, the funny thing is, the U.S. likes to talk about the international rules-based order whenever it's talking about a country that's in the crosshairs of Washington. But what part of the international rules-based order allows the U.S. to go into Syria, occupy part of the country, steal its oil, steal its grain, and kill its people with bombs? Uh, you know, there were some civilians killed in these bombings. It's, it's just the hypocrisy is not missed by the rest of the world. It's only that Americans, unfortunately, shrink from criticizing their government even when it's doing the wrong thing. 
Well, here's a good little clip from Dave DeCamp, I think, in antiwar.com, and he makes a point that you just made, uh, and I think it's an important one. He said the airstrikes against an alleged Iran-linked <coughs> group came as the U.S. <coughs> and Iran appear close to a deal to revive the nuclear deal, known as the JCPOA. Colin Call, the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, said Wednesday that the strikes show how the U.S. will launch attacks against such groups regardless of the status of the JCPOA. And I think this goes with the pattern of things that we've been seeing, uh, the, the, the uh, supposed threats against Bolton, uh, the use of the attack against Salman Rushdie, terrible attack, but the use of that to blame Iran, and now we're seeing this. I think still, I said it, I was a little bit conspiratorial, but I think there is certainly a group that does not want the Iran deal to be back on uh, the table, and so a lot of these things are happening to yeah, yes, scuttle be, that. Before this uh, recent bombing, uh, we, we were visiting, you and I, and um, I, I, made, I made the point that, uh, you, you know, that the, the, what we have to do, though, is talk about Syria. And yet Syria wasn't up on the list. It's getting higher on that because I wrote a little note to myself, lest we forget uh, there's a war going on over there. And, it, you know, it becomes quiescent. So now, uh, it, it, and they haven't given up. I mean, we have, we're looking to send more and more weapons into Ukraine. Nobody's yeah. given up. So we have to keep that going. So we, we more or less have... Uh, too many wars going right now. Both of them could explode at any any moment, but uh, it's 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 really a shame because people don't look at it. Other than uh, it's a power struggle. Yeah. That's the, probably the most important thing, and that is oil and and the profit. But they never look at what we're doing. And you you mentioned why are we over there? What what are we doing in there? It's a moral issue. Do we have the moral authority? Uh, do you know to go in when when Americans aren't being attacked? They're not a threat to us. And of course, we know exactly why we're there. And uh, also. Uh, they don't deal with the issue, that, that, that old-fashioned issue. There's something, a, a document. There's, we have an original document in Washington. It's called, called a Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 is, that makes you a little bit weird. That's anachronistic. That, yeah, yeah, that is, I've been told that. I learned that when I was yeah, in Congress. Exactly. But then, then there's the pragmatic thing. You know, some of this stuff uh, just doesn't work. And uh, that's usually when they wake uh, up more people. Like, you know, they finally had to recognize that uh, it wasn't working in Afghanistan. 20 years, we've done that. Yeah, but we don't want any of those people we killed or the people that died on our side. We, we don't want them to have died in vain. Yeah. You know, this is an honorable thing that we're doing. Uh, so all these arguments seem so clear cut. Yeah. And, uh, the, the, first, the first one is, you know, authority, moral authority uh, to, to do this. Uh, who, who's, who's to correct the uh, infractions in Iran or Syria or any place? Uh, and one point that on a few occasions when I was in Washington, I'd make that point. I said, 
you do know that we have a few problems here. Don't you think our responsibility is here? And they usually, they usually acknowledge it politely, but it was also one day they don't have an answer for yeah. because they know it's bad. It's sometimes when we're spending, you know, money overseas. And the other argument is we spend our money worrying about the borders in Ukraine yeah. at the same time. The borders are a bit chaotic in this country. Yeah. People know that. Well, people say, well, hang on, those are Iran-linked groups. Well, so what? They were invited in there by Syria. Syria has, uh, you know, the authority as a sovereign state to ally itself with anyone. It invited the Russians in to, to fight against ISIS, and the Russians did. It's really none of our business, <laughs> as long as they don't start bothering us. But, Dr. Paul, we, our, our last piece, our next to last piece of the day, should reassure us that our law enforcement officers have the right priorities. Let's put on this. Next clip, this is from Matt Agaris via the Free Thought Project, which we saw on Zero Hedge. Cops shut down eight-year-old girl's lemonade stand to protect society from unlicensed lemonade. You know, this is, uh, this is uh, you know, a win for strong law and order enforcement. Yeah. And, uh, of course, I'd like to see more of it, but I'd like to see more law and order against the the national police forces, uh, which are several, yeah. IRS and FBI and CIA, and uh, stand up against their illegalities. But now we have the local police going in because Ohio has a law yeah. that says you can't do it. Uh, you know, even if you have just a lemonade stand, you have to have a ticket. You have to have your your permit, permit. Uh, for okay. five days, and it'll cost you forty dollars. Well, this eight-year-old. You know, I don't think she was going to make $40 in that length of time. So they've canceled that out. And, you know, traditionally, I bet you can look back throughout our whole history when we didn't even have uh, this attitude where children had jobs. Even before there were laws, now it's, oh, that's child labor, you know, yeah. child labor. The kids are out there needing to work. But uh, in the majority of the years of my lifetime, that was always permissible and we did it, everything, you know, how are we gonna make a couple dollars? Yeah. And we didn't think for a minute that, oh, maybe the government's gonna give us a bonus or something <laughs> like that. Out. But that, that is, it is rather sad. The ending turned out not so bad. Yeah. The, uh, the policemen were very sad that they had to do this. Yeah. And the parents, you know, were reasonable too. A lot of those parents would have been angrier. They said, well, that is the law and that is the position and it's, it's what they have to do. But uh, the police felt so guilty that when they left, they gave her $20. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that won't correct the infractions of the system. Yeah. That, that's it. So they gave, gave her uh, $20 and she opened up her stand again and the police decided there was so much public pressure. So the public did this. Attitudes yeah. did this. The sentiment did this. And they didn't dare go back there yeah. and lock that kid up and say, oh, you've disobeyed our orders. Yeah. We're going to put you in jail tonight. Yeah. <laughs> what a shame. That but anyway, the, yeah, that is a good news story. I was going to say sorry. I didn't you know, you. It really, it really worked out. That, uh, but we, we've had stories like this uh, yeah. over the years. You've seen people get locked down and uh, and uh, because they have a stand, yeah, you know, yeah. and trying to be. And it's such a good learning, uh, learning experiment sure, to yeah. do that.
There's a little kid over in Clute that has a, has a little lemonade stand, and I drive by there occasionally, and I always wish I would have had some money, some cash, to, you know, to buy a lemonade from this kid. He probably has a swipe, right? <laughs> yeah, he has a, credit, a credit card. <laughs> yeah. So, so we have one more little one. Yeah, here's another outrage uh, of the week. This, this one doesn't have um, a pleasant ending to this one like the eight-year-old. California DA admits 70% of suspects released in a particular county that they studied released on zero bail committed new crimes. The law says you can't, you can't charge bail. Yeah. And did you know it didn't work out so well? What a shock. I mean, the statistics are horrible. When over 70% of the people released under mandated a zero bail purchase uh, policy go on to commit additional crimes, uh, violent offenses such as robbery, murder. I mean, that is, that is so sick. And uh, the, um, the, the, the people, you know, go along with this. Uh, and I keep thinking... You know, if if the opposition and generally, you know, I, you, you know, really believe on big issues like foreign policy and, and Federal Reserve, the parties uh, work together because the deep state has total control of them. But in this kind of stuff, I think you can point to where it, where are the most people living on the street and using the uh, using the streets as a, a bathroom. Yeah. You know, oh. Yeah. Uh, in the cities that are progressive, they're cultural Marxists, and, uh, and and you're not allowed to punish anybody if if they're destroying your property and they break in. Uh, oh, you can't. You arrest them, and you don't have to charge them bail. But what if you uh, what if you use violence and you stop one? Yeah. You're liable to be in yeah. big trouble. I no mean, bail. that's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is a this is a bad story, and. Uh, I think that uh, the the only way that's going to be be solved is the people who disapprove, and there are more and more. That's yeah. the good part of the story. This probably will wake up more and more people, just as the lockdown did in in uh, with with coronavirus. Yeah. And that wasn't the only reason it shifted, but that sure helped shift the attitude. And now people, what, what is good is they spilled over that parents are looking you know, uh, looking even at the curriculum, Yeah. you know, oh, yeah. and all of a sudden, and boy, now the, the proponents of all this say, oh, they're book burners, they're yeah. evil people, yeah. they're not letting us put all our trash in yeah. there and all our propaganda, so they're the book burners. Well, parents happen to be the taxpayers, yeah. and uh, of course that's the argument for separation of uh, uh, school and state because I, I don't think it was ever meant by the Constitution that you would have the Department of Education dictating curricula. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, uh, that's, that's, that's not good. The good part is wake up people. Maybe they'll decide, uh, and they've already had a few decisions where the people who like all this stuff have lost their uh, seat in the yeah. Congress and, and different places. But the people have to wake up. The sentiment is very important. And the sentiment helped our eight-year-old. So they yeah. have more sentiment for the positive things and uh, let the people take care of themselves. Absolutely. Well, let's skip over that and just put on that last clip. A reminder, as we move toward the deadline, if we can put up that last one. The, the conference September 3rd, Weston, Washington, Dulles Airport. Weaponizing the Woke Armed Forces for Use at Home and Abroad. That's the title of Colonel Doug McGregor's talk that he's going to give there. I just got the title 
from him yesterday. There's a lot of stuff about the woke military and what the danger is that I can't think of anyone better to talk about it than Colonel McGregor. You've seen him on Fox News. You've seen him on Tucker Carlson. You see him around. This is going to be a great speech. There's going to be a lot of great speeches there. You won't want to miss them. I will include a link in the description here to get your tickets and join us in Washington, D.C. just over a week from now for our sixth Washington conference. Very good. And I'm looking forward to it. But, you know, this whole issue of uh, sort of undermining the principles of a, of, of a military uh, I have my strong opinion about the military uh, for defense, but not not for what we do, not for uh, defending an empire and having troops spread around the world and getting involved in no-win wars. That's, that's just plain evil, and it's going to be probably one of the major uh, reasons why we're facing this financial crisis by spending all this money because you know we, we we hear about all this spending and all the waste just in this recent year not even a year what what, what have we done in Ukraine billions of dollars and oh well only uh, only 30 percent of it even end up getting in the area where it's supposed to be but it certainly didn't do anything to bring about peace you know this sort of thing so uh, and this woke stuff in there is it, going to even weaken it more. So under the circumstances, you know, it's a mixed deal. Well, they're not doing the right thing anyway. Why do we have to have a really efficient army? But what if the only principle and the purpose of a, of a, of a military is defend us? Then you want people, smaller numbers can do it, uh, private individuals can do it, home defense can do it, all kinds of things you can do uh, under, these, uh, under these circumstances. Uh, but uh, wokeism in the military... You know, about the easiest way for me to describe it, it's just plain stupid. And uh, hopefully it will change. And I hope we can participate in the changing of this. And that's why we're having this conference in the very near future. But I do want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.